0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to our January edition of our Repair Coffee series, where we bring people from all over the world in the world of the fight to repair. Uh, And this week or this month, we have Ugo Valari of The Restart Project. Uh, So great to have you on, Ugo.
1: Hey, great. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure.
0: We really appreciate it. So can you tell us just a little bit about yourself and what you do at The Restart Project for folks that might not know about you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Ugo, obviously, and I'm a a co-founder, co-director of the Restart Project. I'm based in Italy. The organization is primarily headquartered in the UK, in London, and we have been active for over a decade. I'm pushing to bring repair back by starting to run community repair events. We call them Restart Parties, and... uh, helping create uh, this community-driven part of the network that pushes for repair globally. And uh, we've been increasingly helping groups get started and uh, run their activities globally. We have an online platform called Restarters.net that hosts over 700 groups that do repair activities. And, um, we are, uh, pushing for the right to repair by, uh, being one of the key organizations involved in the European right to repair campaign, as well as pushing for policy change in the UK and helping globally. Some of you might also know us because. We uh, co started uh, something called International Repair Day, and we've also been very active in pushing for gatherings globally that bring people from the repair community together. Fix Fest, uh, the international one, the la- last one that Paul attended was in Brussels in 2022, and we run them in the UK for the national community there and internationally uh, quite, uh, frequently. And yeah, I'll tell you more as I'm sure you'll have questions as well, but yeah, it's a pleasure to be here part of this really global movement that that's shaping up to finally (laughs) push manufacturers to change a little bit, hopefully.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, two things, Paul, I'm glad that we, you know, color coordinated today and <laughs> to talk about that. Um, but second of all, I'm curious, how did you, did you both meet at FixFest? How did you, when did you first hear about Restart, Paul? Um, I, I met we virtually before FixFest. We did actually meet in person at FixFest, which is great. And I, I think just got turned on to Restart proj- uh, Project, um, you know, just through, you know, once you sort of dive dive down the rabbit hole of right to repair, restart, you know, you, you run to restart right away. So um, I think I had reached out to you before that, Ugo, and then we met up, you know, in Brussels, which was amazing. It was a great conference and, um, and you know, got a chance to hang out then. Um, but yes, um, when I think of, you know, the right to repair, the kind of face of right to repair in the EU, I think of restart um and the work that you guys are doing
1: well th- that's very kind i guess you know we started at the time when right to repair wasn't even a thing yet i mean i yeah. remember when we had uh the first fix fest that ha- took place in uh, in london in back in 2017 um mm-hmm. Kyle from iFixit attended and mentioned this idea of a right to repair and uh, we started pondering and uh, actually it made a lot of sense. We were already pushing for exactly the same things, but that term really helped a lot of people that had no idea what we were talking about otherwise to actually get a sense for it. Because everyone, you mention a right to repair, everyone understands straight away and it says, of course we need it. (laughs) <laughs> um, yes. While, you know, by otherwise, we were running hundreds of events, uh, helping people get <laughs> into right. otherwise uh, uh, black boxes and try to help them make the most of them and, you know, learning what the problems are, what the barriers are. But th- this sentence is catchy and captures a lot of the frustrations and the possibilities that we that we want to fulfill.
0: Well, it's interesting, Ugo, because I was in a um, meeting with a state legislator and and actually um, he happened to arrange this meeting so that there were some lobbyists, uh, not lobbyists actually, but well, lobbyists and also Apple employees who were there talking, they wanted to talk to him about kind of their position on right to repair. And he's like, well, if we're going to do this. I want you to have somebody, you know, Paul Skyno come in and talk you know, represent kind of the other side of the argument. And they were like, okay, you know, but the, the, um, the line I got from the Apple employee was, you know, right to repair. That was, that was brilliant. You know, thinking up that phrase, you know, was like a master stroke of PR because, you know, you're framing it in terms of rights. And, you know, in his mind, the success of the movement was really this catchy phrase, right to repair. It's like, yeah, marketing kind of, oh, what a brilliant idea, you know, and that's why you guys have had all this success. And it's sort of like, you know, it's more complicated than that. It's not because we have this great phrase, "right your repair. It's also because, you know, people are really thinking about sustainability and our planet and like, you know, you know, it's more. But, but in his mind, that was it. It was like, nope. just you know, they were brilliant. They came on this term right to repair, and that <laughs> that changed everything. And doors swung open for them. And it's like, yeah. You know. Well, it's
1: interesting though that the moment this term you know started to to be noticed, then immediately you get some legislators. I mean, in Europe, the European uh, Commission started using it itself yes. yeah. in their press releases, even yeah. when you know they weren't necessarily. Get into it yet, but yes. it, it started being a thing, and um, like a conceptual and that does help, yeah, yeah. It also gives at times the wrong idea, it makes many people think the moment maybe you know you have a BBC headline saying, Oh, the right to repair is coming to Europe or to the UK, and you know, having been involved, that we're starting to see a tiny bit of change, but it's far from being what the three of us and probably most of our listeners today think the right to repair should be about. Uh, There is also the risk that um, people get tired and think, oh, it's done. It's happened. Uh, Well done, everyone. And uh, no, it's really far. I mean, we'll talk more about it, but we're still very far from (laughs) having an actual right to
0: repair. Yeah. I mean, you raise a really good point, Jack. I've mentioned your thoughts on this as well, which is there is a distinction between. Well, there's 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 really two different parts of this movement. One is the the um, repair, you know, uh, cafes and the folks who are really just practically trying to fix the broken stuff in their life, and then there is the sort of you know policy part of it, which is some of those devices you would like to fix and that are fixable you can't fix because of limitations that have been put either in the way that they're manufactured or in the way that the software works on them. And that's kind of where the right to repair comes in is removing those barriers. Um, But not everybody is necessarily, you know, as familiar with, you know, it's kind of sees the whole picture, right. It's sort of the parts of the elephant, you know, they, they sort of, okay. Yeah. Repair cafes. Great. Getting people to think about, you know, fixing stuff as opposed to just replacing it. But if we don't deal with the legal part of it, the policy part of it, um, we may still end up with a bunch of unfixable stuff, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, for us, it's been really obvious that uh, the community repair movement, so the repair cafes, the restart parties, the fix-it clinics, and all the other permutations of this movement are essential because they are showing That is possible. And Mm. they're actually also showing the growing demand and how, you know, you have plenty of people that are happy to take three hours of their weekend to try and get something fixed. Or you have plenty of volunteers that, again, take hours of their weekend or evenings to help other people fix because they think it's the right thing to do. Mm. But we've also worked on capturing this, not just in terms of um, documenting it, but also collecting data from all of these activities. And that's how the open repair data standard came about. And it's a, a standard that collects some level of information about repairs performed or attempted at community repair events. Now, the latest uh, aggregation brings together 130, over 130,000 att- repair attempts, and uh, it shows that it's real and that the barriers are also real, like whether it's about availability of spare parts or price of spare parts or designs that don't let you get into the device or lack of repair information, whatever. The usual, right, for people that are familiar with the movement, but the fact that it's These are real attempts by real people and not just some studies by some consultancies that say, if you are using this in an enterprise environment, uh, the keyboard will fail after this and that. No, these are actual attempts by real people and real stories behind the data. It's a brilliant way to connect the hands-on community aspect of this movement with the need to change the system and and that's what we've been used have been able to do quite successfully in a number of um, European uh, consultations so the mm-hmm. EU when preparing for legisla- legis- legislation proposals asks, for uh, submissions and uh, every time we have a chance we bring a layer of this data depending on what they're looking for and um, it it does make a difference obviously it doesn't make a difference on its own but it's part of telling a different story and showing the frustration but also the opportunity at the same time Mm -hmm. so um, community is key it's essential and so Let me take time to thank the thousands of volunteers, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of volunteers around the world. But obviously, it's important because it shows that's possible. Clearly, the people that are making an even bigger difference are the people that for a living repair products. Mm -hmm. But collectively, we're showing that there is real demand and that um, things can go on the way they have been. And at times, uh, the way manufacturers still try to pursue uh, between some announcements and greenwashing, but by and large, limiting the amount of change that can happen. So, Ugo,
0: right now you're in Turin, Italy. Is that right?
1: That's right. Yes.
0: So give us Give us a sense of like the scene in the EU, I guess. Like, are there centers of are You know, the EU is obviously a political body, but then there are each of the EU countries are 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 some Italy, France, Germany, UK ahead of others in terms of pursuing this um, pro repair circular agenda, circular economy type of agenda like where and where is Italy itself?
1: Yeah, um, so definitely, some countries are much more active than others, and uh, I would say, if uh, the, the France always comes uh, prominently ahead of the game in when it comes to repair, and uh, many of of you will have heard about their um, repair index uh, uh, that uh, did. Uh, raised many eyebrows uh, a few years back. They are already moving towards a durability index uh, where uh, repairability will be one key aspect, but not the only one. Mm. I would say other countries that are also um, ahead of the game are Austria and Germany. And the reason I'm mentioning these two is because They've been um, joined by France, too, more recently, but all these three countries are running um, so-called repair funds, meaning they're tackling one of the key aspects of um, repair that hasn't been tackled by other legislation in, in anywhere in the world, to my knowledge, which is affordability of repair. So these countries have individually uh, set systems uh, to reduce the cost of an individual repair that uh, for consumers by providing in different ways funds um, that can mm, contribute substantially to the cost of the repair so that the consumer